Houston. Raging, raging. The Raging Cajuns will be a source of pride for this university, for the alumni, fans, and donors as we achieve success in the classroom, in the competitive arena, and in the community. It's about to get really fun. We're looking for dudes that will stand up. Well, Coach, let me tell you today, I'm here and I'm ready to stand up. And I challenge you, Raging Cajun Nation, to stand up with us. Stand up with us. Let's lock hand in hand and let's walk through the gates of Omaha. Hey, I love y'all boys. Let's grind every day starting today. Let's do it. Y'all ready? Alarm! Alarm! Ready! Who's that team ready? Who's that team ready? That's I got one thing to say right here. Can you win? Ladies and germs, welcome back to the Raging Review Podcast. The second edition of Track the Pack. We're going to catch you up on the baseball weekend. Uh, talk about the tee, talk about the atmosphere, sweepsies against BYU. Maybe touch a little softball, too, because we played a team that we're a little bit familiar with, so we might even wrap it up with that at the end. Uh, first of all, hello, boys. It's good to see you. As always, same here. I, I like that we're t- we're getting a little traction on on the new format with the wrap up show, so that looks good. Thanks everybody for being here. We're gonna try to do this every Sunday to catch up everybody on the week that was in baseball and probably softball as well. So a lot to talk about today. Before we go any further, I want to give a couple of shout outs. We were able to meet a Cajun sports kid from Twitter. He's been a, a avid follower, avid fan of Raging Review from pretty much the jump. So I wanted to give him a big shout out, Mr. Douglas, Douglas Edwards. It was very nice to meet him. Also, Andrew Richard was at the Teague and in the building this weekend. It was awesome to meet uh, guys that follow us and, and like what we do. And we really appreciate the support, but even more so, it's cool to connect with people that love, this, love the Cajuns, love baseball like we do. So I wanted to give them a shout out. Uh, and before we move on, I'm going to hit sponsors. Guys, you guys know, jo- Gordon McKernan has been helping us out this year. They've been a great sponsor. Uh, 888-532-1573 is their toll-free hotline. GetGordon.com. GetGordon.com. They have the G guarantee. If they don't win your case, you owe nothing. No fee, no dime, nothing at all, no cost whatsoever. So shout out to Gordon McKernan and the team. Um, They have locations all over the state. I'm sure you guys have heard me read them off by now. I think you know where they are. Most importantly, they're headquartered in Baton Rouge. So if you need to get to them, they also have uh, an office here in Lafayette. So thanks, Gordon, for everything that you do for Raging Review. Lafayette Roofing and General Contractors, our great friend Darren Domingue and the team over there at Lafayette, <clears throat> excuse me, at Lafayette Roofing. Locally owned, family operated, huge UL alum, huge uh, donor to the RCAF. They do great work. Make sure you guys are looking at your roofs. Inspect from time to time. If you need anything at all, please give Darren and the team a call. 337-237-7663. 237 Roof, great, great sponsor of the Raging Review Podcast and UL Sports. 10,000 satisfied customers cannot be wrong. Give them a shout. Also, Patriot Steel Group, something I noticed this weekend, they are the official sponsor of the uh, the roster and the scorecards that they hand out at the Teague. So uh, that was a cool thing to see. I also saw their sign out there in right field. So Chris Russo is continuing his uh, uh, the support that his family has been able to give to the program over time has been uh, amazing, and we appreciate everything he's done for us. Patriot Steel Group, check them out on the Patriot Steel Group LinkedIn page, or you can contact Brandon Gollett or Reed Barbier, 337-443-9296. Thanks again to Chris Russo 
a great sponsor and friend to Rage Review. Boys, we haven't swept a four-game series in almost 30 years. It's been since the early 90s. So first what we'll do is, and just to get, give everybody an idea of how we're going to handle this, we'll do an, an, an overview of the week. Then we'll go. We'll get into some of just you know atmosphere stuff. Talk about the Teague. I know there was a few complaints in opening night, and uh, I think we've kind of sorted that out. So that's a, a great thing, and I wanted to talk about that and give uh, the correct people their kudos. Uh, but also, we're going to get into the game specifically as we go. So I just want to give everybody an idea of how the show is going to go, so you can follow along. Nick, you weren't able to go to the Teague obviously because you live a little bit of ways. How did the? I know the broadcast was only two of the four games, so. I guess from afar, how did it look on TV? How, how did you feel watching the game? Yeah, it looked great. It, it seems like every year since we've been doing ESPN Plus, we get a little bit better and better and, and tighten things up. Um, so it was it looked really good. I will say there was a stark contrast between game one and listening to the sound effects and the music and everything in the background and game three. And, and we'll get into some of that later, as you suggested. But um, no, I thought I thought the replays were awesome. I thought uh, having the little first base camera in the bottom right corner was fantastic, and I thought they were right on top of the plays. So, um, I, like I said, it, it seems to get be- better and better every year, and this is no different. It it looks like from from game one on, it they were ready to go. There were there were no butterflies. There were no you know kinks to work out as far as the broadcast went. That's awesome. I didn't realize they had the uh, the, the little deal in the corner. I didn't watch any on TV because. We we're at the park, but uh, I saw that on the softball broadcast this afternoon. Yeah, so that's cool. That's a cool little wrinkle. They what is it? It's just they just show first base, or yeah, they just show first on. base. Yeah, if they have a runner on second, runner on third, runner on first, whatever. They'll show the the base, and and they won't keep it up the whole time because that's a little bit distracting. But they'll keep it up long enough to see if they're going to take off and they remove it. I mean, like I said, the timing's really good. Um, Video Brian, I think, runs the whole show. I call him Video Brian, but. Uh, Brian runs the whole show back there and he kind of keeps it runs a tight ship and um, no, it looked it looked great. The presentation was fantastic. I can tell you this after watching the Kusa TV broadcast for rice <laughs> gas I'm station very, TV. Very, yes, I'm very thankful for what we have. I got to see Jerry a couple times this weekend. So I guess we'll get into the, the Teague experience. Uh, what are your thoughts on it, Jerry? I thought it was fantastic. Um, Wednesday night, we had a little bit of rain before it started, so I was kind of afraid that the attendance might get affected. Plus, it was Ash Wednesday, day after Mardi Gras, of course. People are still recovering, trying to get back into the work week. Um, But I was very impressed with that crowd. I thought the atmosphere was great, even though we started off kind of slow. But that eighth inning rally where we, we scored three runs, and of course, we'll talk about it in a little bit, but... It got pretty loud. It was a lot of fun to to experience that comeback and and to you know see Blake come in and close the game out in the ninth. Uh, I mean, it was it was loud. So that was great. Um, Thursday I couldn't make it; had some other obligations, but I was able to watch it on TV. And to Nick's point, uh, there were some cool camera angles that I got to see. That was very impressive. Um, that they've tried out, you know, even with softball, like you said. Um, but Friday night was packed. I was very impressed with the crowd Friday night. Uh, when I walked in, I came in around the fourth inning, and it was it looked like a typical Friday night crowd, probably one of the more full Friday night crowds we've had in a long time, even you know dating back to last season. And um, you know when when Julian hit that home run to center field, I mean you could hear the crowd really get into it. Um, I left a little early because I went to the basketball game, but I thought it was a fantastic atmosphere Friday night, and of course yesterday, um, Saturday, it was. 
you know, typical Teague, loud, back and forth. Uh, a game like that, the crowd was really into it. So it was just great to be back. You know, we've talked about atmosphere and how it's kind of lacked uh, with football. It's lacked with basketball for the most part. I don't. I didn't feel like it lacked this weekend at the Teague in any of the games that I attended. I thought, you know, the atmosphere, the reputation we have for having a great atmosphere, it really it lived up to the reputation. And and now that we're six and one, and hopefully we can get a win against Magnese, You know, you come in against Campbell. You know, a good Campbell team with a seven and one record. I think that's going to build excitement, and, and I think that's going to make the Teague even louder. Um, and plus, it's fun baseball. The way we've been playing, I mean, we've been giving fans a reason to cheer these last four games. So, no, just all in all, um, I was very impressed with the Teague atmosphere. It was great to be back. Uh, and, again, I, I felt like basically the atmosphere picked up from where it left off I, I, from last year. It was great. Yeah, Carson asked if uh, the operations kind of went smoothly and everything. I'll put it up and get it going. I didn't. I, I can't tell you if I had an experience that was poor at the concessions all week. Um, now I typically don't get a ton of concessions. I mean, I I get peanuts and I'll get a beer or two almost every time. That's that's kind of my my go to. So I don't really stand in lines and wait for hot dogs and nachos and all this. Uh, I did hear that the crawfish nachos were outstanding. So I know we've had some issues with that in the past. I I I read that some of the lines were long on Wednesday. But as far as Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I, I don't know if I even heard a complaint about operations. I see Look, Nick. I see Nick. <laughs> let me tell you, I went to Rice. Okay, they had one concession stand open for the entire grandstand. So, if you wanted, if you want to say you had to wait in line for a little bit, I get it. But it literally, one he had one concession stand open for the whole. Well, I guess they counted two because they had two sides. So they had two people for the whole grandstand. You were waiting a whole inning to get a beer, right? So it's, it's all relative. I, I can forgive that a little bit since I had such a negative experience here in Houston. Um, but hopefully that those times get better as the season goes on. Jerry, any issues with concessions? No, not at all. Um, I, th- I, I didn't really get much food, but I did get a beer. And I mean, you walk in, you grab your beer, and literally when you tap the, you know, we talk about the credit card machine. And Cajun Field being Jerry got a beer. I, I do drink beer at the Teague. Okay. That, wow. I know. I know. Because they don't have chocolate shakes. They don't have shakes. no vanilla shakes, Nick. <laughs> vanilla shakes. Get it right. But no, it was great because I know, you know, at Cajun Field, they've they've had issues with the credit card machines and which has held the line back to from five minutes to an hour. So at the Teague, you go in, you get you grab your beer and literally you tap tap the chip and that's it. I mean, within three seconds, she's like, Okay, thank you. And you walk away. I mean, it it was so it was so refreshing to go grab your drink and take less than two minutes. It was, it was awesome. So I don't want to get too spoiled too fast. You know, things can happen, but as far as that goes, I I was very satisfied as opposed to the experiences we've had back to the atmosphere. Same thing with concessions at the Cajun dome, Cajun fields. It was night and day. It was night and day. Yeah. Yeah. Before we go any, any further, I want to encourage anybody in the Twitter space. And by the way, again, thanks for joining. I know this is a little bit new, but we're going to continue to do this. Thanks for joining. Please participate. Questions, comments, concerns, anything you'd like to uh, to say on the show. We, we we love to have you guys and all your thoughts. Um, I, I again, concessions were great. I had no issues. Everybody was wonderful, as they always are. The Teague layout. It's just conducive to an easy experience. I saw some people complaining about the openness behind home plate today. Uh, do do we not talk about how that was on purpose? That 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 is one of the best to me is one of the best features of the T. You can stand there and watch the game in real time 
while you're getting your beer or whatever. I, I don't understand a complaint on that whatsoever. And I'm going to say, Josh, you only notice it on night games. Like afternoon games, you don't notice it. It's really only for night games, and who cares? Because, again, you go to out-of-town games, I mean, even an Astros game, and you go and you get a beer, and you're missing an inning of baseball where when you're standing in line, all you got to do is turn around and the game's going on right there. So I don't care how it looks on TV. I, I really don't. And again, it only affects night games and day games. You don't even notice it. So and, whatever. Well, baseball is not made for TV anyway. It's Correct. A, it's either on the radio or it's in person for me. I, I, I much prefer to be there or listen. And another, and another thing is, is whenever we designed the stadium, that was one of the first, you know, uh, amenities that, you know, Coach Rowe talked about was, you know, when you go to the concession stand, because remember the old stadium, you, you didn't have that luxury. You'd hear crowd noise and you wonder what was going on. Or Nick, at the time you were PA, you know, when you'd say it's out of here, of course, I'd go, oh, I missed the home run. Great. You know, where I can see it now. Right. When I go get a drink or whatever. And I think uh, it's, you can't have it both ways. Right. If you want the convenience of being able to see the baseball game, unless you have some pretty backdrop or a piece of glass that makes it look somewhat presentable, it's it's gonna look it's gonna look a little bit not as I guess it's not gonna look as as uh, presentable, right? Because in the background you see the concession stands, you see the banners of the 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 concession stand sign or whatever food stand they have. So to me, it's either you want one or the other. Do you want to be able to see the game while you're at the concession stands, or do you not? So I know I know it doesn't look the best on TV, but at the same time, like you guys said, when you're at the game, it's about the in-game experience. It, it, and I think when I'm able to go get a beer or food or whatever, I can see what happened when I hear the crowd noise. Again, you, you know what? Let's wear our options here. Yeah, it's either one or the other. Well, again, it was on purpose. It was one of robes. It was one of the cornerstones of how he built that stadium. Anyway, speaking of the PA. Uh, I see John in here. I wanted to, to shout out John. I saw him after the basketball game, and we were talking about how they didn't play Sweet Caroline in the eighth inning. Can confirm here live on Raging Review, Sweet Caroline is over. It's done. It's, it's gone away forever. So we had a good laugh about that, and I was listening to the to the softball game this morning, and I heard them playing Opelousa Sostan. Okay? Look, my heart was happy, man. I don't know how many times I've said it. This is Cajun country. We should be playing our music. We have our own music. Play our own stuff. So anyway, the PA, first of all, I thought the music selection at every venue I went to this week was awesome. Softball, baseball, uh, basketball, everywhere. Um, if the, I think that it impacts atmosphere more than people realize. I know it's just music selection, but it, it matters to me. I thought that there was a lot less of the goofy sound effects at the Teague. Don't get me wrong. I like, the, I like some of the stuff, but in, it feels like in the last couple of years we've, we've overdone it a little bit. I thought that this past week they they really dialed it back and and did it like Nick used to do. It was very um, uh, timely and it, it, they didn't overkill it. I, I very didn't selective, think. yeah. Yeah, I thought it was much better. And going back to your comment about the atmosphere Wednesday night, I, you know, I don't know, I don't know if it was Ash Wednesday. I don't know if it was the Mardi Gras hangover. You know, the weather was kind of damp and wet. Maybe that did something, and and maybe it was the speakers not working and the busted one on third base side, which we can get into that in a second, but. I, I didn't feel like Wednesday the, the atmosphere was there. I, I, it, it was kind of just like a general malaise in the fan base. You know what I mean? It's like, yes, I want to be here for opening day, but uh, I don't know if I really want to be here. It kind of felt like that. Um, but Thursday, Friday, Saturday was complete a completely different deal. Section A was in full force on Saturday for sure. Friday night was typical Friday night game where everybody was into it. Uh, and obviously, most of all the games were exciting. 
So that helped a lot. But as far as the overall atmosphere at the Teague, it felt like old times. Jerry, did you feel something similar about the police selection and the music and all that stuff? You think it kind of helped? It did. And, I, and and it adds to atmosphere. You know, we have we always talk about our culture. We always talk about being unique in many ways compared to other schools around the country. And we have to use that to our advantage. And one of the easiest ways to do that is the music we play. I mean, we have our own genre of music down here. So I thought they did a good job. I thought John did a good job with the music selection. I actually told him that, that, uh, you know, it brought back some memories of the old times, like when Nick, you were doing PA and and doing the music selection. And, and that's what makes us so unique. You got to use that to, to, to your advantage. And, um, you know, I thought the mix of the mixture of music was really good too. Um, I also thought as far as the sound effects go, I did think that some of it was, uh, I mean, like the boring and the 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 glass shatter. I I I, th- I thought I might have heard that one too many times. It's run its course for me. I, I'll tell you. That's not something, but it's not something that's going to ruin my experience, right? No, no. I, I mean, it, it's not the worst, uh, you know, thing ever. But um, no, they did a uh, John did a good job. The the guys in the booth did a great job. So uh, I, I was satisfied. Just fix the speakers, man, so I can actually hear uh, the players and the and or the you know the player coming up to bat and stuff that's the main thing right now look I just want to say I'm gonna take credit for starting sweet Caroline actually that was TD Smith he he's the one who made who not made he asked me to play sweet Caroline so I played it I didn't know and then that just you know carried on but Karen uh, excuse me super John texted me and he's like hey are we doing sweet Caroline and I'm like screw that play play something else man. And so my brother asked me too. He's like, "Hey, uh, we're not doing Sweet Caroline." I was like, "No, we're not doing Sweet Caroline. We're done with Sweet Caroline." So, um, so whether that's a good or bad thing, I started it and I hopefully killed it. Uh, but I'm with you. Let's do something local. Let's have fun with it. Let's get a new song. Um, I like I got loaded, but we could do a fifty thousand other songs that are local uh, for that for that moment. So, uh, so yeah, I'll take all the blame for it if you like Sweet Caroline. My bad. You know. What- you can play uh, instead of Sweet Caroline for all the people that are mad. You can play Keith Frank haters. Yeah, but that's a softball thing. <laughs> you can't do a softball thing, man. You got to do your own no, thing. I, you know? I, I'm joking. I'm joking. No, I think no. But I haters, mean, okay, I get where you're you going just, with you that. Haters, it, yeah. okay. Haters, no, it. I'm kidding. But no, I thought it was. I got loaded is as good as it gets. So I, I was very satisfied with that. And and look, people actually people reacted to it. They were kind of looking around like, huh, I don't hear Sweet Caroline, but I'll take this. This is a good song. This is uh. This is different. Got that vibe from a bunch of fans, too, doing that. Yeah, somebody, was Justin, Justin just said he didn't realize they didn't play it until Section A started singing it on their own, which I thought was pretty funny. And look, if that's their tradition that they sing it on their own, that's cool. I just hate the song, and it has nothing to do with us. It has nothing to do with Lafayette, Louisiana, Raging Cajun Baseball, anything at all. It had a good run. It was cool for a while. I am more partial to um, Neon Moon. I think Neon Moon would be a nice touch in the eighth inning. It always seems to get people to sing. So, but but anyway, if we want to talk about things that we can change, Time how about out. we? Uh-oh, if you're gonna we... do Neon Moon, are you gonna do a little TikTok dance too? I mean, if you're gonna do the TikTok dance, what's the TikTok dance? Oh come on, well, COVID man. Carolina you know did it. Oh never mind, then we're not doing it. I don't no. know any. I don't know anything about this. The TikTok well, good. stuff. We're we're no, we're just, nixing just that. Just if COVID Carolina like, did it, we're not doing keep, it. Yeah. They did COVID the TikTok thing, or they did the 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 song. They did the song, the the bunch of their football players after they backed out of our championship game. They did Neon Moon, so no. Yeah, they were well enough to do that, but they couldn't play. Don't get me started, man. Complaints, and then we'll move on to the game. We got to get the scoreboard fixed. Has anybody heard anything about why the hell we can't get our stats up? BYU had all their stats, and it was updating. 
but we couldn't get everything was zero for us. Do we have any idea why that happened? And it happened the whole week. So it was weird. And, you know, Wednesday, they had a rough go of it. They really did. I mean, we had people that don't know how to punch buttons for balls and punch buttons for strikes. And that was rough. Um, you know, no slight if you're in here. But look, we got to do better. Look, this, I'm just going to tell you the Jeff. greatest. It's supposed to be one of the greatest atmospheres in college baseball. We got to know what a ball and a strike is. We got to fix that. I think the problem is, and I, I don't know about the balls and strikes thing, but I think the scoreboard thing and I think the stats and getting all that and the, the speakers and all that stuff. And, and trust me, I'm not being a defender for the administration, but there's so much turnover year after year. And we probably need to do a better job of planning for that and saying, okay, a week ahead of time, let's get together, do a run through and make sure everything works. But every year there's, there are those same issues because you have so, so much turnover from the people who run the game day and the per people who were pressing the buttons on the scoreboard and you had a new music guy this year and you, you know, so I think, I think maybe a little foresight in the future and saying, okay, let's get together two weeks ahead of time, test everything out, make sure it's running is a good idea because it seems like every year we're back in the same thing, complaining about the same things that get fixed, right? They, they listen and they fix it. So kudos to them for listening, but it's like the first game every year we're kind of behind the eight ball going, why isn't this working? Why does this sound like this? Right. And it's just a, it's a black eye a little bit for us and going, that wasn't a great experience. Let's make it better. Yeah. I, I agree with that. I just thought that this past Wednesday was worse than years past. Something was right. And, and then the fact that like, you know, we always talk about control the things we can control, like, you know, the bulbs working on the scoreboard. That's little stuff that, you know, my wife made the comment that, if, you know, Roe would never let this happen on open. Dude, night. no. Not only would Roe somebody would let be it getting happen, their ass lit up. Bab would be on the cr the thing that goes up changing it himself. No joke. Before like before the first game every year on the old scoreboard, he was on there, you know, that lift before every game. Somebody just needs to go out and do it. Take ownership, right? Speaking of Bab, Nick, was he on the TV broadcast with uh, Brennan? No, he it was uh it was Dan and Brennan. I saw him. Well, he was on the radio for the for the Rice series, away games. Yeah, and I didn't know if he was going to be back in the booth, but I did see uh, Jay and Top, so I didn't know if he was still going to do something in. Some yeah, capacity. no, I think the plan is for him to do the uh, color on the um, the away games. So okay. any road games, he'll be he'll be taking Top's place. It was weird to see him when we were walking out. He was glad handing as people were leaving the stadium. It was just. It's just different, man, to see him standing there. We talked to him for a few minutes, and I don't know. It was just, it was just jarring. Like, you're not supposed, you're supposed to be on the field. What are you doing here? But anyway, let's get into game one. Uh, a very exciting game. BYU comes in, and they start a freshman, true freshman, making his very first start in D1. Um, the weird thing about that, and this is like BYU in general, but all of their freshmen are like 25. <laughs> he's, he's actually, I think he's, uh, I think he was 22 years old. So, I don't know, man. It was it was kind of weird to he he looked the part. He was six six, huge. You know, I don't know, maybe two hundred five, something like that. He wasn't a beanpole. He was a full grown man, but he was still making his very first start. So you expect this offense especially to kind of get after a guy like that. Um, I don't know. I I was kind of underwhelmed early on, but he settled in and he really just kept us off balance the entire the entire game. Uh, his entire start. He, he went seven strong. Uh, what did he give up? One earned? No, he gave up no earned runs. We we got into their bullpen and started making people uh, pay for mistakes. But, you know, we he was an unknown. Uh, I don't think he pitched at all against Louisiana Tech. I might be wrong on that. Um, so don't take me for sure on that. But I don't think he – if he got any any innings, it wasn't many because his, his stats were minimal. Um, 
but he looked good. I mean, he had a very good secondary pitch. I think it was a circle change. I'm not 100% sure what he was throwing, but it was effective against our hitters. He he had them on their back heels. They were guessing at times. And, you know, we've seen a lot of times early in the season that these Degs lineups can be taken advantage of with a good with a person with a, a pitcher that has a good secondary, especially an off-speed off pitch. And I thought that Blake Hansen did a very excuse me, Ben Hansen did a very good job of mixing his pitches and hitting his spots. Uh, he was impressive to say the least. Uh, and then on our side, we started Brendan Moody. Didn't know what to expect. You know, he, I'd heard Degg say that Brendan Moody thinks he's a starter, but they like him on the back end of the bullpen. I saw him in the, in the scrimmages during fall. And in my view, as far as the bullpen goes, and again, we, we thought he was going to be an inning or two guy. I loved his stuff more than probably anybody else. I, I, I would tell uh, people I would talk to, uh, everything he throws falls. It falls out of the zone, everything. He has a good little cutter. He sits. He was sitting eight nine ninety. You know what I mean. That can be effective. But most important to me was that he he evolved as the game went on. He he changed the way that he pitched these guys. He went up and down their lineup, and you know you give up that big leadoff double. Then he gets two outs. And you think he's going to get out of it, and then he gives up the second double in the first inning. It's only a run. It's not a crooked number. But you're thinking, all right, how does that shake his confidence? A guy like. Brendan Moody getting a chance where he wants he they, the coaching staff wants to use him in the bullpen. He wants to be a starter. They give him a chance. First inning, he gives up a run. How's he going to respond? Well, all he did was come out and throw five shutout after that. So I was extremely impressed with Brendan Moody. Uh, and then obviously Cooper Rawls and David Christie come down. And they I know that David Christie kind of got touched up there in that, I think it was the seventh inning. But all in all, you know, it was just one of those games. It was back and forth. And then, of course, Blake Marshall comes in and slams the door, which I can't remember a, a, a guy like that. You know, we, we've seen Blake pitch, but he's still largely an unknown. I can't remember the last time we had somebody come in and throw that amount of dominating, uh, those amount of, th that amount of uh, dominating pitches in a moment where you had guys on base, you're trying to preserve a win. That was some impressive stuff. So thoughts on pitching from you guys. Uh, Nick, go ahead. Yeah, I'm going to say uh – I, when I talked to my brother before the series started, he was I know the coaching staff was very high on their starter um, for Wednesday. They they thought he would be really good, and he turned out to to keep us, like you said, keep us off balance for seven innings. So uh, they were high on him. They were high on the Friday night guy as well. But I'm with you. I mean, Moody, he, look, the stat that jumps out on me is we've had so many problems with free base runners, and I thought we did a really, really good job uh, Wednesday night of – I mean, Moody only allowed one base on balls. I think there was one hit by pitch. And then there was another, I mean, a, a couple of free passes for the whole night. And I think that's what we need to do. And we saw that kind of, you know, change as the series went on. And as we got into Saturday, um, went downhill from there. But I, I thought that was a key is that he had great control. He had good stuff. Uh, he gave us six innings, right? And uh, he kept the free bases, the ba free base runners to a minimum. So I think he did his job. And and look, um, I I'll agree with someone in here, maybe who was it? Justin said Saturday guy. I would agree with him on that. I think he's a good Saturday starter for us um, if we don't need him on the back end. But we'll see how things kind of play out because we're still looking for that fourth starter. I don't know that we're we're set on that yet. Agree. And unfortunately, Jackson Niza or Nizu, I've heard it fifteen different ways. Uh, I think he, it's he Neza. Neza, okay, well, he's having a rough go of it early in the season. So uh, I'm not saying that he's lo he's losing his job. I have no inside information on that. But, you know, he's been given two opportunities, and in two opportunities it hasn't looked good. So hopefully he can fix it. But, you know, maybe he's a bullpen guy that we can rely on. I, I just don't know if he's done enough to keep that job 
uh, on Sunday. So, uh, Jerry, your thoughts? One thing we always know about uh, a pitching staff under Coach Daggs is whatever whoever is named the first weekend, uh, usually it, it it's gonna it's gonna change within within a month or two. It just that's the way it is. Um, you know, he's not afraid to whether it's whether it's him or Tibbs, they're not afraid to to take chances with other pitchers if 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 their original starters aren't aren't getting it done. And Robe did the same thing. Um and that's what I find about this weekend. That's why I thought this four game series was very important because of the way we were able to use our pitching rotation and they were able to experiment with it. And we'll talk about it as time goes on. But I thought Brennan pitched a heck of a game. Um uh, I didn't know much about him. I knew he came from LSUE. He had a what was it like a 3.5 ERA coming in. And really um we knew he had some good stuff, but until you actually go out in the mound and pitch, you really don't, you really never know. And he, he lit it up. I mean, he did a great job. I thought that uh, as, as, as Robe talks about minimizing, he used to talk about minimizing the damage. I thought we did that in the field a few times. Um, I, I thought he pitched a great game. Uh, I think he got close to what, like 88, yeah, 88 pitches um, gave up what one run. Was it? Yeah. So one the, line, run? the line on Brendan Moody is six strong, uh, six solid innings, uh, four hits, a run, one earned run. He had one walk. He did have eight Ks. He had a hit by pitch. And yeah, he threw 88 pitches. Um, and I like the fact that early in the season, you know, Brendan, maybe he, maybe he could have gone out for another inning. But I like the way that Seth is handling these pitchers. He's keeping them under 90 pitches. He's not letting them go too deep. You got to take care of these arms early in the season, just like Robe used to do. I see a lot of similarities there. You don't want to overextend a guy like Brendan, who, you know, they've said there's a little bit of effort with him, so it, it kind of is – it can take a toll. Um, I, I love the fact – I like the way that they're handling him. You saw what they did with Tommy Ray, who was – he was cruising. Uh, and we'll get into Tommy later, but uh, Brendan. And then also uh, oh, uh, Hammond the other night, he, he could have gone more, but they, they, they protected him at Rice and they protected him against BYU. I, I appreciate that very much. Look, well, that about, it, look I, I, excuse me, I'll go first. If if that cost us a game down the road in the early part of the season because we pulled somebody a little too early because of his count, I'll be good with that. You know, yes. that I'll blame that on the bullpen. But unlike the school 60 miles down the road who has a head coach that ruins kids' arms, we're going to protect our kids, and I appreciate that. Yes. Well, also, too, I think with Brendan, um, you know, 88 pitches, one one earned run given up, in the way, and, and just the stuff he was throwing the other night – that's how you get into the weekend rotation with this staff. That's how you're going to get your shot, whether it's a Saturday or Sunday. I don't know. But if he's able to do this, you know, moving forward and he's able to show that same consistency, he will be a weekend starter. Because let's be honest, we, we've that was our biggest worry coming in. You know, you got three brand new arms on the weekend. And of course, you can't you're not going to get through the season just out hitting teams. You're going to run into time. You're going to run into games where you're not going to hit as well. So you're going to need pitching to bail you out. I think if you can give these, if someone like Brandon Moody can give these same type of performances moving forward, then there's no doubt he should be a weekend guy. Um, but I was very impressed with him. Uh, I, like I said, I didn't know much about him coming in, but no, it was, it was a great, it was a great, great night on the mound for him. And, and but, hopefully we can get more of that as time goes on. Let's not take it away from Blake Marshall. I mean, oh one point two innings, oh. five strikeouts. You kidding me? It dude struck out everybody. He he saw dominating. I think I think ninety percent of the pitches he threw were sliders, and they were disgusting. Um, and he touched. Look, he's ninety ninety one with the fastball. If he hits his spots with the slider, I'm telling you that guy. He he definitely can be the the closer for this baseball team. He was nasty. Every time we've seen him this year, he's been disgusting. So that was great to see. Um, in total, 
Cajun pitching gave up seven hits, three earned runs, three runs, two base on ball. At 13 Ks on the night, again, five of those were the last five outs of the game, which was just awesome. Uh, hit by pitch, just one. And, you know, 138 pitches as a, as a staff. The game was nip and tuck. Uh, you know, we got a one unearned run off of Ben Hansen, and then we touched Sam Decker up, uh, Sam Beck, excuse me, for two later. And then uh, Jake Porter gave up a run in, his fi- in the final two outs for the Cajun. So, look. I think that's a great team win. You know, you got a good performance out of Cooper Rawls. Yes, he only faced one batter, but um, he did his job. David Christie, I think he got a little bit of a tough luck line there. You know, three hits, two earned runs in just an inning, based on ball, uh, unfortunate. I think I think David Christie showed you a little bit in that outing that people, it's not going to show up on the stat sheet. But I, th- don't, I don't want people to give up on David Christie. We need him. We're going to need him in middle innings. Uh, I think he's one of those guys that can go three or four innings for you. We just got to find some con- some consistency with him, and maybe his confidence needs to come back. I don't know what's going on, but remember, as a freshman, man, he was dominant in a couple of outings. So let's not give up on him. I, I thought in in general, uh, just well done on a on a Wednesday night weird uh, midweek game to open the tee. You know, there was a lot of things that was not you know you know baseball is a game of regimen. You know how it is. So I, I well, thought it was I thought it was a good effort. I think what was very pleasing in the eighth inning besides, you know, obviously the three run rally was fantastic, but it was who got the hits to get the three run, the three runs. I mean, you have Mason Zambo, who obviously we know that he's got a lot of, he's got a lot of uh, moxie to his swing. We all knew coming in that he was a great uh, hitter, but until you actually get the experience out there and you're on the field, you know, you really don't know. And the fact that he was able to come in in the eighth, um, man, there was a full count and he was able to hit an oppo and get two runs in. That's huge. That's huge. Great and then, I mean, it was a great at bat. Then you've got then you've got true freshman who's a stud. You know, Caleb Stelly getting that getting that single in and to to get the go ahead run. That's two guys in the lineup that are fairly new. Those are two guys in the lineup where coming into the season you really don't know much about them. But that's two guys in the lineup that you know now that if someone like say Julian Brock or Rocco or Debo have a have an off night, you can at least depend on them to step up and 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 you know, basically you know, carry the load. And that, that reminds me of those, that 13 to 16 run, uh, 2013 to 2016, those four years where we had guys like that, where you didn't have much expectation. Uh, they weren't sort of the go-to batters. And yet you still had hitters who, whether they could come in from a, as a pinch hitter or just come in from the bottom of the lineup and get it done. So that shows a lot of promise. Um, I'm very excited to see what, 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 uh, what, what Zambo can do because he's a really he's a he's he's got some power to a swing, but Caleb Stelly to me, I mean he was he, that he was pretty much the surprise um, the surprise player this weekend as far as at the plate. I mean he was outstanding as especially as a true freshman. I tell but you from, what was surprising to me was how much he they trust him. The game is not fast for him. I mean he had some big time at bats and big time moments, and I know that wasn't a blast in the in the gap or something to score that run, but it was a flare. It it. He had a great at bat. He fought off the the pitch, and he got rewarded for it. A lot of freshmen melt in that situation. In that moment, oh, absolutely. absolutely. In that moment, I mean, you know, and, and what's funny is he kind of reminds me of is he kind like just like just like Debo and just like Blake Trahan when they as true freshmen. You didn't know they were true freshmen. They just had that swagger about them where it didn't matter. They 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 just wanted to play and compete, and that's that's that prototypical Dags player. And that's what that's what got me gets me excited about Caleb is that he goes out there, man. He he it, it doesn't matter if he's a freshman. He doesn't feel like he gets he gets under pressure. 
and and, and he's only going to get better with more experience. So, no, I, I thought he was to me he was just he was the player of the series just because he was able to step up at times like that and get it done. I just feel like this team for the first time in a few years feels like a team where we didn't we didn't have like a drop off from the previous season. Like we we got to a regional last year and. And then it's like you're starting all over again. It doesn't feel like we're starting all over again. Like we had a good core come back. They're performing like they were towards the latter end of the season. Um, you know, and, and and some of those maybe, you know, Rocco wasn't performing that well for the first couple of games. I know Mark Shock's kind of struggling a little bit, but you got guys behind them that are that are doing the work and kind of picking up the slack. So it feels like you don't we're not waiting for that cohesiveness that we were waiting for last year. feels like they're there and that's encouraging because if we're here at the beginning of the season, that's promising to see where we end up this season. I don't know. I'm kind of getting geeked up about it by just seeing the way that the guys are kind of picking up the slack for those who aren't really pulling their weight right now for one reason or another. Um, pitching wise, again, we still need to figure some things out, but it's it for me, the first couple of weekends has been a good sign for how things I think will progress as we go on. It's encouraging. It's encouraging. I mean, and you'll everybody knows Rocco's he's going to come around. Max is going to come around. All of these guys that are veteran players, we know they're going to come around. So I, no, I'm with you, Nick. I, I I love the fact that you have these younger guys stepping up in their place because once everybody clicks that one through nine lineup is going to be dangerous. And, and we saw some of that this weekend, but anyway, um, Josh, it's all you, man. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, Catherine brought this up. She made a great point. Where are the where are the holes in this lineup? You think Max Marshak is going to hit 200 for the season? He won't. You think that Carson Rockerford's going to continue to swing the bat the way he has? I mean, I don't know what's going on. Look, if he's it, you have a guy that's on the Golden Spikes Award Watch list, they're going to get the opposing pitcher's best every single time they're at the plate. They're going to pitch around him. I think that there were so many times last year where he felt like he had to carry the load. I mean, go back and look at how many clutch RBI that guy had. You know, two outs, man at third. He was our last hope. Boom, he'd get the hit. It happened all year long. So I wonder I wonder if he still has a little bit of that in his psyche where he thinks he needs to carry the load. I think the rest of this, this lineup is picking him up and showing him, hey, you know, we're, we're going to protect you. So, But let's, let's put it in perspective. I can't pull up the stats right now, but what is he batting? Like 300? I don't know. I think he has like nine or 10 RBI, but no, it's, it's, I don't know. I'm going to try to pull it up as much but, as I, okay. So let's say he's batting 250 and we're complaining. I mean, not complaining, but we're saying, oh, he's in a slump and he's batting, you know, 285, 300. Like that just puts in perspective how freaking good he is. So yeah, I get it. But I don't know. I, I just, I just have a good feeling about how things are starting. I, again, we've got guys and young guys who are able to pick up the slack for those who are kind of struggling right now. But like Catherine said, where are the holes in this lineup? I can't find one right now. It, it, look, look at how many options you have at DH. Connor Higgs has been your starter uh, half the season so far. He can swing it. And I know he's not ripping the cover off the ball, but he's going to get right. It's just a matter of time. If Stelly's going to continue to be trusted by the staff, you have that as an option. Zambo's been a revelation at first base. He also solidifies the, the corner over there. So you have a, a guy that plays corner defense with a corner bat. Okay, he's your prototypical first baseman. That's exactly what we need. We've been needing that for a long time. So you got that going for you. You have CJ who still is hitting the ball. I mean, I don't know. I, I think that he'll settle somewhere. But right now, 
He's giving you clutch at-bats, even when he's not. I think his on-base percentage is through the roof. It's like one of the best in the conference. So he has good at-bats, it feels like, every time he steps to the plate. I know he struggled on, uh, was it Thursday he struggled? I think he struck out twice. Uh, but other than that, over, overall for the year, CJ's he's swinging a good bat. Um, I, I'm trying to think of everybody. Look at how many people came to the plate on Thursday when we scored 11 runs. I think we, I'm going to count them before we get out of here, but it was something like 16 people got plate appearances. Uh, Debo had a great day Thursday, but overall, you think Debo's going to pick it up a little bit here. It looks like he's getting hot, you know, as we go. It, he, he looks better and better and better. Uh, he showed you a little power. He got robbed of the home run on Friday, I think. I'm going to try to stay on, on task before we go ahead, but uh, there are no Thursday. holes. The, the, there, are, there are no holes in the lineup. It's, it's, the ebb and the flow is going to be what it is. It's baseball. You're, some days you're going to be hot and some days you won't. But look at Heath Hood. Every time, name, name a time you've seen Heath Hood look overmatched at the plate. The answer is zero. He hasn't. He's, he looks like an All-American. I mean, he's playing like one. Um, Julian Brock, he's another one. Kind of started slow. He's catching fire. I mean, two doubles to end the game. Well, look, I'm doing it. I'm getting ahead of myself. I want to, the game on Saturday when he hit those two doubles, his last two at-bats, I mean, those are piss missiles. I mean, he did, he's not missing the ball. Even his outs are loud. Um, so anyway, we go to, uh, well, we go to BYU comes back to the Teague on Thursday. We absolutely shellacked him. At no point did BYU even look competitive in that game. Um, let me see if I can pull up the, all right. Yes. My boy, Tommy Ray. I'm so proud of Tommy. I'm happy for Tommy. Um, got to know his, his dad a little bit at the regional, the great folks. Um, so I'm always thinking about Tommy. When we saw Tommy at the LSU scrimmage two falls ago, uh, I remember there was some talk that he was going to be our Friday night guy going into the 2022 season. If you guys remember that. And I was raving about him. I thought that he competed. I thought that, uh, all of his stuff moved. He had velocity. He had everything you want for a Friday night starter. He looked apart, you know, big and imposing. And then, you know, a little bit lackluster, you know, results throughout the season. And he ended up in the pen and it just didn't work out for him. But they seem to think that he's got it together. And if you look at that outing, we, we got to keep in mind that BYU is not a bad offensive club. I mean, look at what they did Saturday. I mean, really, they competed at the plate the entire weekend, week except for Thursday. Uh, but Tommy Ray was filthy. Gave up three hits. He had two walks, but he gave you six innings, and he threw 88 pitches. You know, only four Ks, but it doesn't matter. He was cruising. Uh, and then he got, you know, he got relieved by J.T. Etheridge, which somebody said, who was that? Uh, Justin said that he was impressed with, with Etheridge. I was too. And, and I know this is going to be taken, you know, not seriously, but I know it's easier to pitch with a lead. I understand that. But there's some nuance there. Sometimes people get worried about the ERA and they don't want to throw strikes. They don't want to be the guy that gives up the four-run inning and starts the, the comeback. I give credit to JT for coming in and throwing strikes. He filled up the zone. He challenged hitters. He did, it didn't matter. It could have been two to nothing or ten to nothing. He looked like the guy that was out there on a mission. We need that in the bullpen. We've, been, we've lacked that in the last four or five years. Not all of the guys, I'm not saying. We haven't had a robust amount of options for people that are just going to come in and throw strikes. I love the way he pitched with a lead. And then, of course, we saw Jerry Couch for an inning, uh, who apparently staff likes. And he looked, he looked good. He did walk a guy, but he struck out a guy. So um, it was, a, it was, it was a, another – you use three pitchers in a game, you feel good about that. I mean, you never want to empty the clip. You don't want to have to use five and six guys in relief because you can't throw strikes. We've seen that already this year a couple of times. I hate that. You have a lead, use it to your advantage, attack the hitter, fill up the strike zone. Now, BYU started Jack Sterner, who absolutely carved up 
Louisiana Tech, who's another pretty decent hitting team, uh, all he did was give up nine hits and eight runs in four and a third. I mean, absolutely tattooed that guy. Uh, and you heard Jay Walker talk about how Jack Sterner was the best they had. He's first team all West Coast Conference. Uh, I think it's West Coast Conference for baseball, right? BYU. Yeah, yeah they're going to Big 12, Big 10. Yeah, they're starting going to be something. They'll be in the Big 12. Right. Yeah, Big 12. So we, we treated their best pitcher rather rudely, and we continued to do that. Uh, Ferreira wasn't very good. Um, they threw a guy named Carter Foss, which, by the way, did y'all see all the, the roster names? There were, there were Ozzie Pratt, you know, a lot of that kind of stuff. Hudson. No, but Hudson. I saw that some of their players were on Tinder, so that's exciting. Yeah, don't let me forget to talk about that because <laughs> I, I don't understand what happened there. Um, so, so really just good pitching and coupled with guys that were just ripping the ball to shreds. Debo had three hits. Uh, Hoodie had a hit. Lee Amity got a bat, an at-bat, which is great. Uh, Landry Wilkerson got a bat, an at-bat. Carson Rockefeller had, what, did he hit a home run? Was it him that hit the bomb on Thursday? Anyway, uh, I can't read these damn stats. There were so many, there were so many hits <laughs> all over the ballpark. I can't tell you, but I think he did. I think he did. I don't know. I don't yeah. remember. Well, he had two hits, two RBI, two base on ball. So he had a good day at the plate, um, which is great to see. Zambo, Zambo, sorry. Can't confirm it's Zambo, by the way. Apparently we've made contact with his high school coach. It's Zambo. So I look like an idiot, but whatever. Uh, Jew had a, had a hit. Um, ben Robichaud and Clay Wargo each had plate appearances, which is cool to see. Though I know that Wargo is the, is the Chanticleer, so I got to take it easy on him. But uh, he got in that bat and got some playing time. Julian got a, a break, which is great. Uh, CJ had a hit. Luke Juhas had two at-bats. I want to see that guy hit the ball because if, you, if you've seen the, the Bat Bros video, he can hit it to uh, Opelousas from here. That guy's huge. Um, Maxi got a hit. But point is, is that so many people came to the plate, got some experience, got some playing time. That was uh, really great to see, and they were bolstered by a great bullpen. It was what Mike Desermo would call complimentary football, complimentary baseball. I really want to say that. Any anything stood out to you, uh, Nick, on Thursday? Yeah, hitting. I mean, hitting. again, yeah. Ray was was locked down, lights out, whatever you want to call it. He was awesome, and everybody ate. Um, again, impressive when you consider. And you alluded to it. You said it earlier. UL Rustin's a, a pretty good baseball team, and so they they you know they split with with them, and they they swung the bat and they hit against against Rustin. So um, they're they're not a bad baseball team, and I think we need to keep that into perspective when you look at yeah, there were some one run games in there, but look at what they did you know previously in their last. Uh, very small sample size, but I think that that bodes well for them for the rest of the season and also for us. So, no, I, I think it was just a total team effort uh, on Thursday night. Total domination. BYU yep. mustered five hits, Jerry. Crazy. I love the fact that everybody got a nat bat just about. I mean, guys like Ben Robichaux, uh, Uhas, uh, Clay Wargo, John Taylor. Uh, I think a few of them, uh, Connor Higgs, LaFleur, Peyton Lejeune. I mean, there were a few of them that actually got RBIs and got some base hits, and that's huge. Uh, any type of experience you can get, usually guys like that will get some play time in the midweek game, but you know this. I know it landed on a Thursday night, but it's still kind of considered a, a weekend, and you actually got to play a decent team in BYU instead of playing some, you know, I don't know, an in-state school that, you know, they're playing their backups as well. Uh, I was very pleased when I started seeing some of those names 
because uh, it's all about the experience. Uh, and and when when usually when they're coming in against a team that you're playing on the weekend, it usually means you're dominating the game. So uh, just good for the younger guys to get some some experience. Good for the younger guys to actually get on the, get in the field. Um, very pleased with the pitching. I mean, it was a shutout. It was a shutout against a team that really got some clutch hits uh, that Wednesday night and couldn't do anything, couldn't do anything Thursday. So that was very pleasing. And just in general, when you beat a brand, a big brand name like BYU and you shut them out 11 to nothing, that's just satisfying as a Cajuns fan. doesn't matter. Uh, you know, it, you know, usually in a uh, midweek game against a team that you're expected to beat, that's one thing. But when you do it against a team that's about to join the big 12, that's another. So um, just a satisfying win overall, just because it was one of those games where we kind of knew like, you know, we were waiting for Degg's ball to come out where we we're just hitting, hitting, hitting. And we did. So to Nick's point, it was nice to see us hit, but it was also nice to see a lot of guys that really don't get that much experience to actually get some at-bats and have a chance to play. Not one single hitter on Thursday for BYU had more than one hit. That's impressive. And they, they made two errors. I'll tell you what, I was not impressed with their defense whatsoever. I thought that they were bad. I thought their catcher was not good. Pas bon. We'll go with that. Uh, I thought we abused him the way we should have. You know, that's exactly what you need to do with a catcher like that. You abuse him. And so, look, by the way, before you go on, I just want to say there are some some northern coaches that are starting to complain about the season starting so early and wanting to push it back a little bit. And and look, I, I'm not going to defend that, whatever your thoughts are your thoughts, but I do think that has a little bit to do with it because they don't have the luxury of, of practicing outdoors. Um, and they have to, I mean, what was this, like an eight-game road trip they had to be on? That's tough. I don't yeah, care for what you for are. Like so two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. That is that is tough for them. So I just want to mention that 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 northern coaches are starting to push back and wanting to push the uh season back a month. Real quick, uh Carson T, appreciate you uh thanking us for covering occasions. We do it, it's fun. Uh we're here to have fun with y'all. So appreciate you checking us out. Uh and hello to Joel Bio saying to keep grinding and he appreciates everything we do. Hope that little one is good. Mike Potan wants to talk about conference as a whole we will do that after we finish with the individual games mike so hang on as of the end at the end of friday i don't know if this carried over to saturday but at the end of friday sunbelt conference baseball was the number one rpi league in america so that's pretty cool i think overall it was like 63 and 20 maybe uh pretty cool so we'll definitely talk about that mike so just hang tight uh game three with byu good old-fashioned pitching duel i was interested to see how game three would go after you had you know, a very nip and tuck game to start the, the the series, and then you had a total blowout. It was similar to Rice in, in, in some ways. But it was great to know that Jake was going to be going, Jake Hammond was going to be going on Friday night. So I didn't know what to expect, uh, but we got treated to a pitcher's duel. I mean, really, that's what happened. Jake was great. He went six full, three hits, one run, no earned, five walks, a little uncharacteristic. Didn't end up hurting him uh, through 92 pitches uh, and had five Ks. Jake was good. Uh, I th I think Jake was better last week. I'll be honest with you, uh, but he fought. He fought. He. It was one of those games where you could tell he didn't have his best stuff, but he just continued to fight. He continued to get big outs, and I think that that's why he is your Friday your Friday night starter. I think that his makeup, his mental makeup, and his ability to compete at an elite level is what earned him that role. And so far, so good. Uh, even when he didn't have his best stuff. And also, Ryan Broussard was behind the plate, so don't be shocked that he walked five people. He probably walked two people, let's be honest. I mean, I know some people think that Ryan Broussard's a good umpire. I'm here to tell you. Uh, I sat next to that guy many, many times on a diamond, and he's not very good. And I wish he would come into the space so we could have a conversation. He's terrible. Uh, anyway, 
Carson Fluno, we got to see him again. He went a full inning and didn't give up anything. He's K'd two guys. Dylan Toit came in uh, a little bit all over the place at first, but he got it together. Got four outs for you, two Ks there. And then, of course, you finished off with what's looking like going to be your back-end shutdown guy in Blake Marshall. He got another K in uh, two-thirds of an inning. Uh, it was good to see him finish that. Again, guys on base, um, he... he you feel like you don't have a chance when Blake walks in. That's what's starting to feel that way. And I know it's only a couple of performances, but I'm a little bit biased. I'm a big Blake Marshall fan. Been kind of talking him up for two years now. So I'm glad he's finally healthy. I'm glad he's able to get this opportunity and he's taken and run with it. Um, BYU started Bryce Robinson. Robinson, sorry, I messed that up the whole game. I thought it was good. Uh, in fact, I thought he was better than Sterner. Uh, obviously, Sterner's line wasn't very good, but I thought his stuff was more uh, deceptive, and I liked his, his release and everything. Um, we struggled with him, obviously, but big hits, big hits. Uh, we ended up getting to Mason Olsen, who gave up that late earned run. I, I don't know. I, I thought he was okay, but mostly I was impressed with Bryce Robinson. I, I thought that he battled. He was very good. Uh, anybody have thoughts on pitching? Yeah, I'll just say, look, first of all, Ryan Broussard as a person, I have no problem with. As an umpire, mm. But anyway, when you look at the fact that we came into this game or we came into the series ranked 213 and walks allowed per nine innings. I don't care who's behind the plate. We got to do better. Gotcha. Like you got to you got to adjust on the mound. If a guy has a big strike zone, got to adjust. If he's got a tiny strike zone, got to throw it down the heart of the plate. And and so 10 walks in this game is concerning for me again. It doesn't matter who's behind the plate. You got to adjust. You got to make that adjustment. But what is encouraging, as you said, is the fact that we gave up 10 walks, but still managed to pretty much dominate otherwise. Right. So he still got out of jams. We still figured our way out of bases loaded several times. So that that's good. And our bats were good enough to bring us the win. This kind of win just like the the last few one run games that we've had will be so important as we go through the season, especially as we go to postseason. Those kind of wins really make a difference. We saw it last year, right? We saw it whole lot last year and how that paid off. So I think this is a good win, but we have got to cut down on the free bases. That is driving me nuts. And we're two weeks into the season and I get it. We're early, but we got to start getting that down soon. That like we got to fix that. That that's concerning to me. It's amazing that you had a two to one score with ten walks. Now unbelievable pitching was able to strand 10, 10 runners for BYU. It was stressful. That's a lot of stress pitches, and that's not good early in the season. Honestly, I think this was one of those games where we not only won by pitching, but your pitching came in through the in the in the clutch, even in spite of walking walking batters because. You left, I want to say BYU left ten men on base, but a lot of that credit was a lot of that credit goes to pitching, getting us out of jams, finding ways to you know correct the correct the mistakes of actually putting them on base to begin with. Um, that's huge. I, you know that was the biggest concern for me coming into the season. In that you're going to find nights where you're not going to hit. Well, we really didn't hit the ball well on Friday night. Really, I don't know what we were looking at on Friday night. I. I I don't think we saw the ball well. I just well, don't. You, you were looking at a guy who was filthy. I mean, Robinson he was, was he was. I mean, we were we were striking out. We, I mean, we were 
We were striking out swinging a few times. And I'll just tell you. I think that he's I, the best arm we've seen this year. I was going to say, I was going to say, when I talked to my brother after that game, he said that that guy is the best pitcher they have. And he said that that was the oh, one we showed. had our eye on. So he's he's good. But with that said, our pitching was able to counter that. And when you have a bunch of guys that come in and you're really trying to find an identity in a pitching staff, this is the type of game that builds confidence in your, in your bullpen. This is the type of game that builds confidence in some of these pitchers that may not have as much experience, but seeing what they did against BYU in this particular game, you know, later on down the year, that's where they can, that's where moments like these help them step up. I kind of talk, it's like the story of with Andy Grow, right? With, with when Rogue talks about when Andy Grove pitched against LSU in the midweek and got rocked, but then he was ready against South Carolina in that game two of the Super Regional. I, I kind of allude that, not to say that the, obviously the pitchers didn't get rocked, but later on in the season when you start playing in conference and you start playing teams that can hit, you can go back to this game and go, I, I obviously have what it takes to, to be able to have a pitching duel. And um, no, I, I thought this was this was a game we needed to win through pitching and and we did and I think that's going to that's going to pay dividends as the season goes on just because of the fact that you won by pitching and not just by the bats which is what we have a reputation for well speaking of that you know against an elite level arm you got to you got to lean on your leaders you got to lean on your your star power and that's exactly what we did to win this game Debo Hood Julian Brock got the five hits so big time moments your big time players have to step up and that's exactly how we ended up getting that win I'm very impressed by how when you go out and score 11 runs against a team that you know can swing it, I'm telling you, man, especially it doesn't anybody, it doesn't matter if you're 35, 45, it's easy to let down, to kind of put your guard down. They came out and fought. It was a pitcher's duel, but there was a lot, there were many times in that game where they could have packed it up, but they didn't. That is impressive. And all just that in and of itself is impressive to me because I was very interested to see how they would respond after blowing out again. Against Rice, you come out on Saturday, you blow their doors off. Sunday, you you I think when you go up five nothing, I think that they got a little bit complacent. I think that that's what happened on uh, on on the last game uh, with Rice. So well, we we struck out fourteen times on Friday night. So most of the time, you lose a game when you strike out fourteen times. And and even and 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 Degs alluded to it after the game. He's like, you know, we struck out fourteen times, but he said that the grit of this team and, and the way these guys have each other's backs. That's what pulled us through. I mean. Well, and then we didn't even talk about Julian Brock's home run. Holy cow. Which, by the way, I mean, that's major league right there. I mean, that, that, that's major league. Center fielder doesn't move. The sound that it made was, Catherine said it was a car crash. Well, but the ball was, you knew the ball was gone when it crossed the pitcher's head. Well, the ball, it thing. never looked like it was going to come down. It just kept rising. Well, here's the thing. We're, the Teague's not a hitter's ballpark. It, it, it's almost... I mean, when you hit it out to center field, it drops. And Jerry, it, it's, it drops. It's, it's late February, and there's so there's so much humidity in the air this yeah. week. It's stagnant air out there, and those guys from BYU even made those comments. They were saying it, that that's some thick air that we're not used to hitting in. You saw they, they had some warning track power, but you got to be a man to get it out of this ballpark. It's a graveyard in center field at the Teague. It always has been. And for Julian to basically, like, from the second it hit the – from the second the bat hit the ball, like you said, you knew it was gone – it's the and, and how how it carried out. I mean, that's that is that is major league right there. That's what major league batters do. Um, and uh, thankfully he did that because outside of his home run, we really weren't doing anything else at the plate. So uh, it was kind to, of a 
an anomaly <laughs> for those first eight innings. Um, I'm very glad he did that at a moment like that. But, but I mean, it's just, nah, J Julian's on a whole other level right now. Uh, we'll get to that in a second. He's, but he's heating up, man. It, it's insane how well he's hitting the ball right and, and seeing the ball right now. Yep, the Cajuns come back on Saturday. You start Jackson Neza for your, well, I know it's a Saturday start, but the back end of the series, I know they really want to give him a chance because they, they're high on him, but yet again, you come out in, in two and a third, he gives up four hits, seven runs, seven earned runs, but he walked four guys. Again, those free passes are going to they're gonna kill you. They're going to come back and get you. He struggles. And then I thought David Christie came in and saved the game. Three shutout innings. He only gave up three hits in those shutout innings. He gave up a walk and a strikeout. Threw 46 pitches, but he gave the offense an opportunity to fight back. And in a four-game series, people are digging in the very back of their bullpen trying to find somebody to give them some good quality innings. David Christie stepped up and did that for you early in the game. Because if, if, if somebody doesn't come in there and shut the door and stop the bleeding, the offense doesn't have an opportunity to get back in that thing. So I, I think that David Christie was the MVP on Saturday. Um, Cooper Rawls came in and got out of a jam. He had a strikeout, uh, gave up a hit and a run, an earned run. Uh, he did have a walk. But I thought that he gave you yeah, – it's, it's an inning and two-thirds, but it was five solid outs, and there were stress outs. They were He really had to get himself out of some, uh, some hot grease. So I give, him, I give him some credit. JT Etheridge we saw again. He came in and gave you two good innings. Uh, I do like what I've seen out of Fluno so far. Uh, but as a whole, I mean, you got to be, again, I, I just I think that what I take away from the Saturday pitching performance is David Christie coming in there, stopping the bleeding for three innings and allowing the, the offense to get back in the game. Did you, did you see the same? 100%. I was about to say that. I think whenever you are going back and forth and you're having a hitter's duel, when they've, whenever you're trailing and you're, you're kind of creeping your way back in, when you have a performance like David Christie does, you don't have to worry about scoring six runs in an inning, right? So you just had, you just gave up a five run inning. You're down seven to four. A lot of times there's panic and you think, okay, uh, our pitching's going to still kind of struggle. Let's get all our runs back now. Well, we didn't have to do that. We were able to get, you know, I think we got two, three run innings. We we're able to get a run or two each inning after that. Back to back. And yep. I mean, David Christie was able to to, to hold off the floodwaters um, on their end and allow us to catch up. So that was huge. Um, I like the way our team fought back after something like that. There was absolutely no panic whatsoever, and we just creeped our way in. I mean, if you saw the next inning after that, when we tied it up at seven, when we were down seven to four after giving up that five-run inning, notice how we got the runs. There was no crazy line drives. There was no home runs. Fielder's choice. Two of the runs were scored off of fielder's choice. So. Uh, that that's that just goes to show you there's 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 a lot of discipline at the plate. It goes also goes to show you that again the guys didn't panic, and then from there once you tied it at seven, I don't know about you guys, but I was at the point where I'm like, all right, we're at home, we got the momentum back. I think at this point we might we might score double digit runs and we'll find a way to win, and they did. So and um, who tied it? Stelly again. Yeah, I thought that was a big moment in the game. You get it back to level. It's a new game. You still got a few innings to go. I, I, I think that that team played like they don't care what the score is. They expect to win. And Absolutely. I'm starting to believe it as a fan. You know, you, you, the CDS has receded. And I think that's <laughs> well, what I was talking about earlier is, is the fact that we don't feel like we're resetting from last season. We feel like that's a carryover because as we went through the end of last season, we kind of always had that feeling like, okay, we'll find a way to win. We'll find a way to pull it out. Um, and, and that's why it's, it's refreshing to not have to start all over. Like we still have that feeling going into this season. So that's why I have so much in, 
you know, encouraging thoughts about how this season's going to go down. Now, again, you look at the pitching and I get what you said, but we gave up what nine, eight, nine more walks, free bases this game. Seven I mean, that's like eight, by the pitching staff. Yeah. Like 18 in two games. It's going to bite us at some point this season if we don't fix it. So we got to fix that. That to me, that's an easy fix, but we got to do it soon because it will bite us if we don't. Now, I don't, I'm not saying this is an excuse, but I'm much more willing to put up with seven walks at the end on the back end of a four-game set. You know what I mean? Again, I made the comment to Jerry about how these four-game series are so tough because you're digging for pitching at the end of it. And that's why I thought David Christie was so important because he showed that he, you, I mean, you can go way deep down in the depths of that bullpen and find somebody to give you three quality innings when you need it. BYU didn't have that luxury. So I thought that that was a big moment. Uh, those three innings was... Uh, I thought he was the MVP of that game. Uh, and then Will Veyon hit a ball to uh, Kaplan that just, I mean, just electrified the crowd, got everybody back involved. Uh, I, I don't know, man. I, who, again, where are the holes? C.J. Willis is hitting 429. He, he's, a, he's not even an everyday first baseman. Now, I know he's been in the lineup a lot, but Jerry actually said C.J. is going to have a big year this year. And so far... I can't how many I can't count on one hand how many clutch at bats that that, that guy's had. Uh, Max Marshak kind of got off the schneid a little bit uh, on Saturday. Uh, Rock I don't I don't think Rock had a hit. No, he he was hitless on on Saturday, but I think he may have been the only starter. Uh, yeah, he was the only starter without a hit, which is nuts. So he did walk twice. Uh, but yeah, Debo is just catching fire. Heath Hood continues to be Heath Hood. His on base percentage is through the roof, and Julian just put him to sleep. I mean. He put him in the cradle and he rocked him to sleep with a warm glass of milk. He the double to to, to uh, right center, then the double. No, it was the double on the on the right side, right over the uh, first baseman's head, and then he hit the one in the gap. It's it, it, it was a beautiful Julian, thing to see. It's the thing about Ju- Julian is not just the fact that he's got power to a swing; it's where he places the ball. I mean, that that you you got you got the center you got the center and right fielder at BYU playing shallow and what does he do he hits it in the gap in their direction to to, to right field I mean then he's got that he did it he did it Friday night too right to get the go ahead winning run hits it hits it oppo to right field That's I right. mean when you got ball placement like that I, you can't really prepare for it because he's already got power to a swing so I mean. To me, if I'm if I'm if I am a major league scout right now, I'm salivating at the idea that this guy could bring his bat to to any of these these major league teams. I mean, that, that's defense, what they look Jerry, for. And his defense. How many? T- how many? I don't know how many throwouts he had to, uh, this week, but I'm going to look it up before we get off. I mean, that guy. He just he thwarts offensive attacks. You cannot run on him. You can't even get a decent lead off a of second base. He's going to pick your ass off. He'll yeah. at least try. Yeah, that's the thing. Like he's not afraid to throw at the second base either. If you're leading, he is not afraid to do it, even if he's safe. So, uh, no, Ju- Julian. Th- that's that's the one saving grace of the offseason to me was the fact that Julian stayed because I know there were talks of him maybe getting drafted, get taking a chance. I know I know T. Rob he went, but we were scared that Julian might do the same. And he, the fact that he stayed, that gave I don't know about you guys, but that gave me so much more optimism going into this season with that type of leadership and that type of presence behind the plate and his bat, and and feet, guys feed off of that. I mean, players feed off of that. I mean, he, he's everything he's doing right now has been has been outstanding. You just hope that he keeps it going because, of course, it's a fifty-six game season. You can run into a slump every once in a while, but from what we're seeing so far with Julian, I mean, he's just tearing the tar off the baseball. But again, that this is the epitome of what what 
he is in in that spot in the lineup because they're going to pitch around Rock. I mean, you see right here, two walks in the game. Okay, that's that's on purpose. So then you got Brock to clean it up after it. That's a perfect place in the lineup. I mean, how can you pitch around that? Okay, so you walk Rock, and then you got Brock coming up to bat. Uh, that that's not a good that's not a good feeling for for the opposing head coach. So I think again, holes in the lineup. I don't see any right now. And then you got hoodie just then you got hoodie just on fire in the two hole. Unbelievable. This, th- okay, so I don't know. What do you think about this? So remember, I remember when we played Ole Miss in the Super Regional in 2014 and seeing the size of their batters, right? Like guys like what was the name Sykes Orvis and a Sykes few other guys. Screw that dude. I mean, they're all just gigantic like hitters and they all just have power to their swing. And I always kind of thought to myself, like if we had two or three of those type of batters to hit for us, like how much of a difference it would make on top of the talent we have already. Heath Hood's that guy. You see him go up to the plate. I mean, he he could play anywhere. You look at the size, you look at the power, and you just realize, like, sometimes I, we ask ourselves, like, how did we get him? How did how was he not playing at a P5? Like, how did we pull this off? Well, dude, and Stelly I'm so glad. Stella turned down Major League Money to come here. Look at I mean, Zambo. Zambo's huge. It's I mean, the size we, we have good. on our bats. And not only do we have size, they're athletic. You know, they're very athletic. So it's, it's then, good to be on that side. Uh, with that, with the athleticism on, that we already have, with guys like Debo and Rocco, and just to name a few. And I'm just gonna say, and then you have a lineup where you have C.J. Willis at number nine. Oh, and he's just gonna turn the lineup over to Debo. Oh, and who's hitting yeah. behind Debo Hood? I mean, yeah. th- there is no break in this lineup. I mean, maybe you can say right now Marshak, but when he starts getting you know into the groove of things, they're they have no chance against us hitting wise. Well, so. And you see Marshawk could be a leadoff because he's so fast. I yeah. mean, you could put him anywhere in the lineup as long as he gets on base. He kind of reminds me of what Ryan Leonard's was, where he can kind of move around. Um, now, CJ, you saw that that bomb he hit to the wall. I told him after the game, I was by the cooking club, and I congratulated him. Hey, CJ, great game, buddy. And I remember telling him, I was like, look, man, when you're running around second base and you go into third, do the Superman. Slide forward because you might have made it to third base. I know it was a close call, but uh, – the fact that your nine hitter can hit a line drive out into the gap and into right center, and again that graveyard that we have at the Teague, like you said, Nick, how do you how do you, if if you're an opposing coach, how do you prepare for that lineup? How do you prepare for that? How, how do you prepare for that? Say a rosary. I was gonna say you pray. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, now CJ's been awesome, and uh, having a left-handed bat like that at, down at the bottom of your of your lineup is is a hell of a luxury. Y'all were talking about Max. Uh, Leonard's is one of my favorite Cajuns of all time, so this is not a shot. But Max Marshak is way more athletic than Ryan Leonard's. And that guy is ridiculous. Speaking of, how good has his defense been at third base? Outstanding. Oh, that it, last it, play been, of the game, right? Yeah, he ended the game. Outstanding. But there was yeah. one, I think it was Thursday. Uh, was No, I think it was Friday. He made a great diving catch to his glove side on the line. Yeah, I mean, that it was, was a line Friday. drive on, right on the line. You know yeah. who he reminds me of? Nathan Nelson from back in the day. Holy cow. That's I'm just saying, words, man. I, I'm getting words, flashbacks man. to Nathan. But you see, the advantage of, 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 of Marshawk is that he's played the outfield to where if you have a foul ball anywhere in foul territory, I mean, he can make the play. It, it, it's, it's just a, it's a routine fly ball for him. And, and on top of that, his speed, the biggest concern for me going into the season at him at third base was the fact that can he, can he hit a line drive grounder, like one of those hard grounders? Can he field that? And he's been able to do that, too. So his speed and just the fact that he's able to to retrieve some decent fly, some, some decent foul balls, um, 
I, I think he he could be a I think he could be solid as as the season goes on, and he's going to get more experience. Solid. He's been he's been amazing. He, he's going to and he's only going to get better. He's only going to get better the more experience he gets there. You said, "Ooh, watch what I tell you." At the end of the season, you're going to be agreeing with me. I'm just saying. Yeah, and then look, we've kind of had a revolving door at second base, but not for you know defensive problems. It's been more for lineup changes. Even the defense up the middle has been very good. Look, four game series at home. We made one error all week. Yeah. Nobody's yeah. talking about the defense, but no, that's impressive, man. When's the, I mean, it's been a while since we we were very sure up the middle, and of course, good baseball teams have to be good defensively. Up fifty second in the country in fielding percentage right now. So wow. Hey, and well by the us. way, Rock Rock played a fantastic center field this week. He did. Made a couple of big time catches at the wall. He's not afraid to run back too. There were a few of them that hit the wall. I mean, he was he was he was gunning it. Now it's not the old green wall, all right. That John Coker, like John puts a Coker. Dip in, right? <laughs> no. All right, I'm gonna pull up the conference stuff. Anybody have any comments about the series overall? Look, I'm Look. just gonna say it again. You saw what they did against UL Rustin. They were impressive. They split the series. Kind of what I was expecting they would do for us. Um, I thought we would win three out of four. Prefer us to come out and sweep them. Again, a four-game series against a team that three games just kind of get to know the hitters and how to pitch against them. Four, that that's tough to win all four. And like you said, we didn't do it since the 90s, so that is impressive. I think BYU is a solid ball club. Defensively, not so much, but I think otherwise they're a solid solid ball club. Uh, we'll see what they do this season. I think that'll that'll give us a little bit of an idea of as they progress and and what their record looks like. As they go back home to Provo, we'll have a better feel for how impressive this this four game series was. But for me, um, coming off that Rice series, good things, good things. Look, you're six and one, and you beat two. I mean, obviously these two teams are not, you know, they're not juggernauts, but at the same time, they're familiar names with Rice and BYU. They're familiar names, and you're off to your best start since 2014. From what I've seen so far, I feel like. This is kind of the Degs team that we always kind of wanted, a team that can hit from one to nine, a team with decent pitching to bail you out, a team with decent fielding to bail you out, and we have all three. So far, we have all three seven games in. So it's a long season, but I like what I see so far only because, and I, you, you said this the other day, Josh, at the game, all four of these wins, we won each game in different ways. Wednesday night we had to come back. We did. We got two hits up until the eighth inning, and we get a three-run rally in the bottom of the eighth to win it with Blake Marshall coming in, just shutting him down in the ninth. You basically win with Gorilla Ball on Thursday night. Friday you win with you win with pitching, and Saturday you out hit the you 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 have a hitter's duel. You won four different ways. So the fact that we were able to experience all four of those situations against now when you move forward against against you know just as good if not better competition you have that experience now because guess what some of these teams that we face that we're going to face later on that are good they're not playing they're not winning that way they're playing teams that are probably terrible hanging 15 20 runs on them but they're not getting challenged i feel that we've been challenged uh so far even against rice i feel like we've been challenged to be able to face these type of adversities now and before i go back to you josh i'm just going to say it feels like the competition has gotten tougher so rice to week two, and now Campbell coming up. It's a good progression. So I like the way that our schedule is playing out early in the season. 
Campbell's good. They're very good. Um, they can swing they it. Beat, they beat East Carolina. I think they gave East Carolina yeah. their only loss so far. 11, number five. 11. Yeah. Six to five. Yep. I want, to re- I want to tell everybody, if they have any comments, please request to speak. Lane Johnson, our buddy, has requested. Lane, the floor is yours, sir. What's going on, y'all? Uh, I was able to go to three of the four games uh, this weekend for baseball. It was cool to see, like, the different ways we were able to win. Um, actually, a stat that I just pulled up. The team is hitting 285 uh, through seven games, and that's the best start since the 2013 team. Wow. So there's a lot of similarities between the 2013-2014 season with this team so far. That's cool, and that 2013 team became the 2014 team. So, I mean, that's fun. That's fun to think about. And what I like, too, is the chaos on the bases is not all just trying to steal. It's it's the suicide squeeze. It's the you know the the bunt down the line and then maybe we'll score two. It, it's it's k it's true chaos all around because it's not. I felt like last season we tried to press so much on just stealing, like every chance we had. And this season it really it seems like they we really have them off balance and not knowing what we're gonna do next. And so that's fun. I remember well, those days and that was always fun for me when Robe would coach those small ball teams. And then also, too, like, that's why we were so uh, – we would scratch our heads and be a little critical at times in the last two years Is was the fact that Deggs, Deggs takes chances. I mean, we all knew that. But the thing about Deggs is it's either 100% or 0%. There's no in-between. You try he, – he makes a call, and, and we attempt it. If it fails, it looks horrible. But if it works, it's the most – it looks like the most genius thing. I mean, put it in the Louvre. It looks fantastic. There's no in-between with Deggs in the way he coaches. So, but, but to allude to that, in order for a lot of this stuff to work, you need personnel. I feel it's, I feel like it's safe to say that we finally have the personnel to pull it off. We finally have the personnel to pull it off from the base running to the way, like you said, the chaos. I feel like the players have bought into it. Whereas, you know, two years ago, I think it was uh, one game where uh, Deggs calls poor Ozzy. We love, we love Drake Osborne, right? Drake Osborne had a bum knee. And Dex is calling him home. I forgot somebody was at third. Drake was at second base. And he's calling him home. Literally, the 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 catcher's eating a Subway sandwich probably with the ball in his hand, just tagging him out as he gets home. And you're like, what are you doing? Why are you calling that? But again, personnel. I think Dex finally has the personnel to where next time he calls that, we're going to be safe at home. It's two runs instead of the catcher just playing playing uh, you know on his phone waiting for waiting to tag Drake out. Uh, I was so angry at that. Josh, you saying you're you're ang- you were angry at that? There was a lot of anger from you <laughs> the last couple of seasons. That first the first <laughs> season and a half was insanity. I <laughs> All right, Lane, we appreciate you participating, man. I really appreciate your uh, your comments as always. Anybody else want to get in, please request we'll get you on. Uh for Mike Potan, wanted to get back to the conference stuff. We had some there wasn't too many really crucial series played. Uh, this week in the conference, I will say that Nebraska dominated South Alabama, swept them. Now, Nebraska has the number two RPI in the country, so that's something. But I thought South Al would at least take one, especially at home. They did not. In fact, they didn't look good at all. Uh, that was surprising. Southern Miss lost the series to Illinois. Now, Illinois hasn't been great, and they are a big, you know, they're a P5 school, but Southern Miss has got to win that series at the peak. That's, uh, that is very surprising. And, 
They lost it's, 13 to 5 on Friday. They won 13 14 to 13 Saturday and then they came back and lost again 9 to 4 on getaway day. Very yeah, surprising but, to me. But what's what's the common denominator? How many runs did they give up all weekend to Illinois? Well, like, they're a lot pitching more was they're a lot it, more susceptible uh, than we thought because I know look, they they left they left uh lost Waldrop to uh to Florida. They had a couple other guys that that moved on. Uh one graduated out of the bullpen, can't remember his name. But they still had Tanner Hall, which I mean, that guy's going to be a high round draft pick, and he's probably the, he may be the best pitcher in the Sun Belt Conference. He got touched; they roughed him up. So, I mean, Illinois just beat him. I mean, but at the same time, it's like what we talked about, right? You need pit. You know, you're not going to be able to hit the ball every game. You got you got to have pitching to bail you out. Well, Southern Miss gave up 36 runs this weekend to Illinois. That's 12 runs a game, man. That's can't find a Southern Miss fan around on Twitter right now. They're all in hiding. It's very uh, funny how how quiet they get. They're gonna they're gonna be posting like <laughs> some some attendance smack in a second if I keep talking. I mean, yeah, but we look. had hundred more fans than you. Okay. Yeah, I know. <sighs> you, look, I'll keep running this down. ULM went and embarrassed Mississippi State in the uh, midweek, and then they turn around and lose the series to SIU Edwardsville, whatever that is. They play in the Ohio Valley. They lose the con- they lose that series. Way to go, ULM! Is that the most ULM thing ever? It's perfect. It's yeah. the most ULM thing ever. It's like in football, they they'll lose Alabama, good, good. but they'll finish five and seven on the year. Like it's the most ULM thing ever. Just brutal. Troy sweeps Stony Brook. Uh, they had a good game today. Nine seven. Troy wins that game. I think Troy's going to be one of those teams in the conference that you don't want to play. I seven think and be good. Yeah, they're seven and zero. That's true. Haven't really been tested, but still seven and zero. Seven and zero. Texas State ends up losing the series at home to Oral Roberts. Now, we all know that Oral Roberts is a good team. We saw them in the regional. They can still swing the bat. Uh, they take two of three from Texas State on the road. Very interesting, uh, but a really good series overall. I think every game was within three runs. So uh, Oral Roberts, a good baseball team. We know that. They're 6-2 and two overall, and they, they play in the Summit League, which is a good league. So Texas State uh, didn't really help out the conference this weekend, but that's okay. You know, Maybe we need to bring them down to to our lo- to to reality. So if you remember going over there was those, those bastards were cocky. They pissed me off. Uh, ODU takes the series from Fordham. I think they swept actually. ODU is seven and one on the season. I think that they're going to be a formidable opponent. They can swing the bat. Um, they had a doubleheader today. I didn't realize that. They were the eleven to three and nineteen to one. Yikes. Weren't they the first four out of the regional last year? They were, and they deserved to be, and that was a travesty. Well, Ole Miss got picked over them, and then Ole Miss went into winning the national championship. Yeah, that's true. Good point. Uh, App State sweeps North Carolina A&T. App State beat High Point in their midweek game, 16-7. to uh, They That is a score of interest because we'll be playing High Point in a couple weeks. Uh, High Point went to Alabama and gave them a series. They ended up getting swept, but they were competitive in every game. High Point is not St. Peter's, folks. High Point is not going to be one of those series you can just go to sleep and still get the sweep. We have to show Well, you don't up. think they're going to go 0-56? No, I don't, I don't. I don't see that happening. <laughs> I don't see that happening. I hope uh, Georgia not. <laughs> State, Georgia State takes care of Brown as they should. Um, they played a doubleheader today and they won six to five, ten to one. James Madison, who I don't know anything about, I, I got to be honest with you, they're a new conference mate. I know that their sport is basketball and football. I, you know, I don't know anything about James Madison. They're four no, and three softball overall. too. That's true, softball. Yeah. Uh, but but you know they played Cornell and uh, they swept Cornell. So. Uh, good on them. Helped out the conference there. Georgia Southern, excuse me, Marshall played Charleston Southern and took that series. Uh, they won today 12-1. to Coastal Carolina kind of got smoked today, but they ended up winning the series. They took two out of three from Creighton. 
Uh, that was at Coastal Carolina. I don't know what to make of Coastal. Sometimes they look great. Sometimes they don't. We'll see. Georgia Southern loses again today to East Tennessee State. Very interesting. I thought, so East Tennessee State lost their hitting coach. He went to, I'm going to forget where he went, but he got a big job, P5 job. East Tennessee State had been hitting the ball forever. They 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 can score runs. Um, Georgia Southern, they just didn't come to play today. They got smoked 10 to 2. I, I think that their pitching on the back end is suspect as well. Um, yet to be seen, but looks like the Cajuns really had the best weekend of all the conference mates. By the way, Mike, the conference overall in non-conference action, obviously we're still in non-conference, 70 and 29. 70 and 29 overall record. We did fall in the RPI. I mean, honestly, RPIs, we, we still got a month before it matters. But mm -hmm. the the conference RPI is six right now. So that's what the conference looked like this weekend. I it's still a good league. I think we're gonna be a top five league when this is all over with. And that's gonna be bode well for postseason appearances. Uh, I think uh I think it's going to be a lot of fun in the Sun Belt this year. Boys, any thoughts? No, I'm with you, man. I think it'll be good. Um, hopefully another four-bid season for us. Yeah. Um, because I think, again, we've we played good baseball in the first couple of weeks, and I think that'll continue. Um, and hopefully get the respect that we deserve as a league and that we're not Power 5 because there is no such thing as a Power 5 baseball league. I hate when people say that. So, um, so no, looking forward to the, uh, to, to what our conference mates do the, the rest of the off season, I guess, or the preseason before we get into conference play. I saw a graphic. I think it was the Thursday game that I didn't go to where they showed the uh, preseason, um, poll for the conference. And I think what stuck out to me was the fact that I think Troy was like seventh or eighth. They were picked seventh or eighth, which goes to show you as good as Troy is six or seven teams ahead of them that are legit. I mean, I'll just name a few. Southern Miss, Old Dominion, UL, Texas State, Georgia Southern, Coastal Carolina, Troy. That's six teams right there. Um, I mean, that all six of those teams, plus maybe three or four more, are good enough to go to a regional. So it's it's gonna be a it's gonna be a grind, but it only makes us better. It makes the conference better. And you know, this this conference can be a top five conference. Like you said, Josh, I expect it to be a top five conference. Um, the fact that we were picked fourth and as good as we are goes to show you how strong this conference, how strong it is. So I'm excited about that. I, I look forward to that because I think if you're in the top five in the Sun Belt, you're most likely going to a regional barring any crazy losses as long as you compete and play the way you're supposed to. This is not only going to be a multi-team league, I think you can have – good four or five teams easily one maybe one or two of which can host at the end of the day the cajuns are six and one best start in a couple years what was it 2014 14 14 okay. wow all yeah. right well good enough uh i'm at having the, end of the fun. day i care I'm, about that the most it's fun it's fun to go to the ball i'm loving again. this and i feel like we're back y'all think we're back right now i mean it feels like we're back i'm not we're saying back every year jerry i'm not saying anything <laughs> in the future omaha I'm, every year <laughs> i'm not doing it um this will wrap it up for us. Thanks you, thank you guys for coming to the second edition of Tractor Pack. We're going to keep doing it on Sundays. By all means, we, we need your participation. We do it for you guys. So let us know what you're thinking. Let's see. I don't want to forget anything. Shout out to the girls for taking one of two from that school across the basin in softball. That was fun. Who is that center fielder? What is her name? Maya Wilson. She is a beast. It's Wilson, right, Jerry? Davis, isn't it? 
Maya Davis. I'm so sorry about that. It is Maya Davis. Maya is amazing. She made that amazing catch, and then today almost Another. made an equally amazing almost catch. She's crazy. Yeah. Unreal. And shout out to the basketball team for being undefeated in the Cajun Dome for the first time in school history. Rate, review, subscribe. Instagram, Facebook, the gram, everything. We're out of here. Thanks, guys.